How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. Live from our nation's capital, it's the Inside Scoop with Mark Levine. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine, reporting live from the Center for American Progress in Washington, D.C. Very glad to have Center for American Progress allow me to do my radio show from here. Of course, the words I express are my own and are not to be intended in any way to reflect on them. I can tell you, though, that I saw a huge contrast, and I'm sure you did, too, between the three days that I've enjoyed in Philadelphia and the four days of hellfire and brimstone I saw in Cleveland. The extreme difference between the hate in Cleveland and the love in Philadelphia is palpable. Speaker after speaker in Cleveland talked about people that were coming to kill us. It could be terrorists, it could be immigrants, in America, it could be black people trying to kill cops. Whatever it was, there was a clear message in Cleveland. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. You can't trust the brown-skinned people. You can't trust people abroad. You can't trust your leaders. Everyone in the Democratic Party is a criminal. Lock them up. Indeed, Donald Trump went so far as to say that Vladimir Putin, the dictator of Russia, he would trust him more. He called on the Russian leader to commit espionage against our country. I wish I were making this up. He called on the Russian dictator to commit espionage against our country. and In return, he said that they could keep Crimea. He said maybe the Russians need to have Crimea. Now, obviously Donald Trump doesn't realize the United States signed a treaty with Ukraine and Russia and the United Kingdom right after the fall of the Berlin Wall, right after we won the Cold War, that said that the United States and Britain would guarantee Ukraine's sovereignty. That included Crimea. But what's a treaty to Donald Trump? It's just required by the Constitution to be the supreme law of the land. Do you think that Donald Trump respects the Constitution or the supreme law of the land or an ally if he could simply get one of our great enemies 
to interfere in a political election with espionage. He'll give them a piece of some country they want. Again, I wish I were making this up. It was all about build the wall, fear the poor people, fear the brown-skinned people, fear the the people of different religions. I understand why John Kasich, the governor of Ohio, the Republican governor of Ohio, where the convention was held, wanted no part of it. Good for him for staying away. Good for Mitt Romney for staying away. Good for... And I don't know that I've ever said this in my life. Good for George Bush Sr. and Jr. for staying away from that hate fest. Good for, and again, I don't think I've ever said this before, good for Ted Cruz, a man who I dislike and disrespect on a number of levels, for having the honesty to say that he couldn't endorse Donald Trump. See, it's not that Donald Trump is a conservative. Ted Cruz is a right-wing conservative whose ideas I strongly disagree with. Donald Trump isn't a conservative, and he's certainly no liberal. He's a Trumpist. He cares only about himself. He has a narcissistic personality disorder. Was Adolf Hitler a conservative or a liberal? No, he was Fuhrer. He cared about himself. He was looking to do, as Donald Trump says he can do, When he said, I alone can fix things. He's a megalomaniac authoritarian. And that's one of the nicer things I've said about Donald Trump. So authoritarian rulers, if you look back in history, whether in the 1930s or, frankly, if you look at Latin American history or African history or Asian history or European history, it's all over the world, folks. You'll find that dictators rise on fear. They never rise on love. They never rise on care or concern. They never rise on people working together to help each other. Nope. To have a good dictator, you got to have hate and fear. Hate and fear. The question in election 2016 is can love and hope win over hate and fear? Because I saw a lot of love and hope in Philadelphia. I saw a lot of realization about how far we've come. No, America's not perfect. No progressive would ever say America is perfect. To be a progressive means you want to move forward. It means you want reform. Lots of things need reform, from money and politics to protecting our environment to better gun laws. But there was a recognition about how far we've come. Michelle Obama, I dare say, still has the best speech, although hmm, Obama's speech was very good. Joe Biden's speech was very good. If you saw that last night, we'll talk about all these things. But Michelle Obama still, something she said about living in a house built by slaves. And her two daughters, two intelligent, beautiful, young black women, were playing around with their dog on the White House lawn and taking for granted that a woman could be president. See, that's the democratic vision. That's the vision that President Obama laid out in detail last night. 
a vision of America as I've always seen it. When I go abroad and I talk with non-Americans about the United States, I tell them point blank that I think America is the greatest country on earth. And frankly, some on the left would criticize me for saying those things, for saying America is the greatest country on earth. They would call me nationalistic. I'll admit my bias. I was born here. My parents were born here, and I see America as the country that took in my great-grandparents fleeing oppression from people that wanted to kill them because they're Jewish. But America is that to everyone. I have my individual story. Barack Obama has his. Hillary Clinton has hers. You have yours. But unless you're a descendant of the Native Americans, we'll have to talk about that someday because that's the people that, um, well, Native Americans and slaves would be the two great peoples that America has wronged. But if you're not a Native American and your ancestors weren't brought here on slave ships, your ancestors are immigrants. They came here to seek the American dream. America has never been about being white or being English or speaking English or being Christian or Protestant or straight. America, at its best, is this wonderful mosaic of diversity. You can listen to rap music while going to a Chinese restaurant and then take us, I don't know, a sauna over there at the nightclub, at the, at the health club listen to jazz music, we are the world. And when you say it, it sounds so trite, it sounds so cliche, but gosh darn it, it's true. We are the world. We are from everywhere, every language, every religion, every race, every kind of people. We have creative people, we have intellectuals, we've got criminals, we've got all types. But the one thing that makes us American, what makes us American? I mean, what does France have? In France, they're all French, they're a French heritage, uh, they're all mostly Catholic, they're all very French. Maybe that's why the Muslims don't feel connected there. Maybe that's why, well, they have so many problems. Not that we don't have problems. But the one thing that makes America great is that we all are in this together. We're here for an ideal, ideals of democracy, free speech, freedom of religion, freedom to have the free market. It's one reason I'm not a socialist, to go out and make a business and, and make it a success. It takes a village to raise a child, Hillary Clinton told us years ago. She's damn right. And this conception is the heart of the difference and has always been the heart of the difference between the Democratic and Republican parties. In the Democratic Party, we welcome the village. We appreciate help, not just from our parents, but from our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, that family friend, the local teacher, the local minister. 
We have always been that small town sensibility, even in a big city, where we look out for each other, where the best neighborhoods, the moms on the block look out for kids who aren't their own. Our America, democratic America, e pluribus unum, from many one, we are united in our difference. Our diversity makes us strong. We respect others who are different from ourselves. Indeed, we don't just respect it, and we certainly don't just tolerate. We relish it. Oh, cool. Tell me about your dad and how he came from Sweden or Borneo or Mexico or Thailand. Tell me about your culture. Tell me about your religion. Tell me what it's like to be like that. Americans are always asking, where are you from? We want to get some feel, not just of where we're the same, but where we're different, and to relish it. We look out for one another. That's the Democratic Party. We have your back. Then there's the Republican vision, the selfish vision, the everyone's out to get me vision, the paranoid vision, the insecure vision. I can't trust anybody. I can't trust my friends. I can't trust my neighbors. I can't trust my parents. I can't trust the government, which after all is we the people. I need to hole up and go down in my bunker with an AK-47 be ready to shoot anyone that comes in. Can't trust the brown people. Can't trust the white people. Can't trust people from outside the country. Can't trust people within the country. Can't trust people who have a different religious belief from me. Hate, fear, paranoia. That's the Republican vision. That's what we saw in Cleveland. And here's the worst part of it. It's not just that I think hate constricts you and makes you unhappy, whereas love actually makes you happy. It's not just that giving to others actually is one of the greatest joys in life. Not receiving, giving. It's that if you feel that everyone's out to get you, you really are all alone in the world. It's why I look at the KKK, and as much as I know they're very dangerous, I actually pity them. I think they're pathetic. They're ignorant and hateful, and most of all, they are all alone. No one cares for them. No one should care for them. They have taken themselves out of humanity. That is the Cleveland vision that I saw. Is it what you saw? 888-48-MARK. Let me know. 888-48-6275. We'll be right back right after this. He's a Bible-quoting, Constitution-loving, flag-waving, red-blooded, liberal American. He's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. And now, the voice of reason in an unreasonable world, Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. Talking about the palpable difference between the love I saw in Philadelphia 
and continue to see, and I'm looking forward to tonight and seeing, and the real hatred I saw in Cleveland. It's fascinating to me that the Republican Party is so full of hate. Makes you wonder why. Our economy is much, much better than it was when George Bush was president. We had, we were losing 700,000 jobs a month. Unemployment would peak at close to 10%. It's now below 5%. Inflation is way down. Deficits are way down from the $1 trillion plus in the Bush years to a few hundred billion. Illegal immigrants are down. Illegal crossings of the border are down. Listen up, build a wall crowd. Obama has reduced illegal immigration, if that's your concern. Crime is down. Murder rates are down. Yeah, we have more mass murder through guns. And that's not for President Obama's like a trying, of course. It's because he was stopped by Republicans in the Senate and the House. But overall crime rate, it's down. What are you so afraid of, Republicans? I've been all over Facebook, and I welcome all of you to join me on Facebook, by the way. Facebook.com slash Mark Levine Talk, or my personal page. A lot goes on there. And it's fascinating to me. I have not seen one, one cogent argument Argument based on reason regarding this election from the Trump supporters. It's like they don't know how to do logic. I see lots of hate, lots of emotion, lots of fear, lots of insults. But they can't argue on policy because Donald Trump has no policies. What did you hear in four years in Cleveland? Did you hear anything he plans to do as president? Okay, he's going to build a wall and somehow make Mexico pay for it. The one thing he's going to do is a lie. What's he going to do on, I don't know, education or taxes or the deficit or infrastructure spending? What's he going to do? What's he going to do about abortion or civil rights? What's he going to do about the military? How's he going to defeat ISIS? He says he's going to. How, Donald? You're going to get your good friend Vladimir Putin to do it? Don't you realize that Vladimir Putin is the reason ISIS exists in the first place? No, of course you don't realize it. That would require you to understand and have a modicum of judgment about the way the world works. Why are Republicans falling for a thin-skinned, narcissistic, misogynistic... That's because he really mistreats women... Con man. I want to try to explain that when we come back. 888 mark if you want to call in. 888-488-6275. Back after this. Back to the aggressive progressive, Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. I've been talking at length about the difference between the love in Philadelphia and the hate in Cleveland. In fact, I was talking about it so much on Facebook that uh, one poor woman from Cleveland said, Hey, Cleveland's not so bad. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, no, please understand, ma'am, this has nothing to do with Cleveland. I'm sure Cleveland's fine. I'm not attacking Cleveland. 
The Republicans chose to hold their, hold their convention in Cleveland. I'm not blaming Cleveland for that. This isn't about Cleveland. It's a metaphor. I'm talking about the difference between the Democratic and Republican Party. More specifically, the difference between the Hillary Clinton Democratic Party and the Donald Trump Republican Party. And President Obama is far more eloquent than I. Last night, he laid out the vision. He laid out the differences. He laid out who America is and why we shouldn't fear people who are different. We should embrace it. This was the heart of his speech. This was the part that filled me with so much pride. But first, before we get there, we're going to get there in just a second. He, I think, very ably responds to Hillary's critics. You see, when I do go online and I do go on Facebook and I do talk about these things, it just seems that the only thing anyone can ever say about Hillary is she had her own private email server. Oh, my God, she had her own private email server. Like Colin Powell did, or Jeb Bush did, or thousands of public officials did, or I have my own private email. Is that bad? It's not a server. I mean, yeah, she probably should have been careful, although as it turns out, the DNC emails were hacked by the Russians. The State Department, the Russians have tried to hack in. They apparently never got to her email, at least not that we know, although Donald Trump is encouraging them to do it. Okay, she made a mistake. Bad move, Hillary. She ain't perfect. She was completely exonerated for Benghazi. And what is there left? 25 years of public service right there in the national eye. And that's the worst they can come up with? I could spend five hours on the radio and still not detail all the horrible things Donald Trump has done. And the Bernie Sanders or bust people, well, I think Sarah Silverman put it best on Monday. You're being ridiculous. I completely understand people who preferred Bernie over Hillary. That's fine. That's what a primary is all about. That's fine. And we can we can argue over who is, you know, more progressive and who's more practical. I think most I would agree that Sanders is more progressive, but I think even Sanders people would agree that Clinton was more practical. But they both want to raise the minimum wage. $12, yeah, there's some differences. But they pale in comparison to the gulf between us and Donald Trump. So I, I really liked when Barack Obama said this. Hillary's got her share of critics. She has been caricatured by the right and by some on the left. She has been accused of everything you can imagine and some things that you cannot. (laughs) But she knows that's what happens when you're under a microscope for 40 years. She knows that sometimes during those 40 years she's made mistakes, just like I have, just like we all do. That's what happens when we try. That's what happens when you're the kind of citizen Teddy Roosevelt once described. Not the timid souls who criticize from the sidelines, but someone who is actually in the arena, who strives valiantly, who errs, 
but who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. Hillary Clinton is that woman in the arena. She's been there for us, even if we haven't always noticed. And if you're serious about our democracy, you can't afford to stay home just because she might not align with you on every issue. You've got to get in the arena with her because democracy isn't a spectator sport. America isn't about, yes, he will. It's about, yes, we can. And we're going to carry Hillary to victory this fall because that's what the moment demands. Yes, we can. That was just beautiful. That was just beautiful. Hillary has her share of critics. She's been caricatured by the right and the left. She's been accused of everything you can imagine and some things you cannot. But that's what happens when you're under a microscope for 40 years. Sometimes after 40 years, when you get in the arena, you make mistakes. Teddy Roosevelt, he quoted Teddy Roosevelt. When you're in the arena, you get more criticism than the timid souls who criticize from the sidelines. Who receives the most criticism? Quote, those who are actually in the arena, who strive valiantly, who err but who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. Politics is a high-risk sport. You can stay on the sidelines. You can stay and be private and not have every one of your emails raked over the coals. How many emails have you written, dear listener? 30,000? 60,000? How many of those would you not want to be in the public eye? A hundred? Five hundred? Over the course of all the emails you've written in your life, how many could you say you would not like to be plastered on the front page of the New York Times? I dare say quite a few. I dare say more than the seven or eight or whatever that they're talking about with Hillary Clinton. Most of which really weren't anything anyway. When you enter the arena, you take the risk. But when you strive valiantly, that is how you get to high achievement. You've got to reach for the stars and risk falling to ever get there. Hillary Clinton is that woman in the arena. She has taken her body blows. But she's fighting for us. And if you're serious about our democracy, you can't afford to stay home just because she might not align with you on every issue. Hear that, Bernie fans? Really, Sarah Silverman might say, you're being ridiculous. Now, to be fair, to be really fair, 90% of Bernie Sanders supporters, according to a recent poll, already have declared their allegiance to Hillary Clinton. So if you think I was talking to you, I apologize. I'm not. I know that 90% of Bernie Sanders fans get it. 
I'm talking to the 10%, the ones who were trying to drown out Obama's speech with no PPP, no TPP. <laughs> That's what Trump called it, PPP, because he didn't know what it was. Look, I'm not a big fan of the Trans-Pacific Partnership myself. I frankly think it needs to be renegotiated, and it should include countries with low wages like Vietnam and Malaysia. We can have a nice, detailed discussion on it. But if you are going to stay home because of TPP, and you don't give a damn about civil rights for all, about Black Lives Matter, about reforming police practices, about trying to get guns off our streets, about civil rights and marriage equality for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered people, about women having a right to choose and do what they want with their own bodies, about protecting our children and helping our schools and fighting climate change. If you don't care about infrastructure and keeping out of dumb wars, but protecting our country and our allies when we need to and stopping terrorist attacks, if you don't care about having college be affordable, all of that because... You don't like a particular trade agreement? If 99% isn't good enough for you, then you're going to get nothing. You're going to get less than nothing. If you vote for someone other than Hillary Clinton, there's a good shot you're getting Donald Trump. And I personally will blame you for him. And so will your other progressive friends. And they have a right to shun you. Just as I still really can't talk to anyone who voted for Ralph Nader in 2000, particularly if they came from Florida or New Hampshire. See, Trump supporters are all hateful idiots. We know who they are. They're the pathetic KKK. They're too stupid to know why they hate. But if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, you're smart enough to know that Hillary Clinton, while not as far left as Bernie, takes you more than 90% of the way there. The difference between our side of the aisle and the Republican side of the aisle is indeed a gulf. It's a massive difference in vision between what we believe and what they believe. And no one put it better than President Obama last night. Not yes, she can. Not yes, I can. Yes, we can. You know, you know, there's been a lot of talk in this campaign about what America has lost. People who tell us that our way of life is being undermined by pernicious changes and dark forces beyond our control. They tell voters there's a real America out there that must be restored. This isn't an idea, by the way, that started with Donald Trump. It's been peddled by politicians for a long time, probably from the start of our republic. And it's gotten me thinking about the story I told you 12 years ago tonight about my Kansas grandparents and the things they taught me when I was growing up. See, my grandparents, they came from the heartland. Their ancestors began settling there about 200 years ago.
I don't know if they had their birth certificates, but they were there. And they were Scotch-Irish mostly. Farmers, teachers, ranch hands, pharmacists, oil rig workers. Hardy, small-town folk. Some were Democrats, but a lot of them, maybe even most of them, were Republicans. Party of Lincoln. And my grandparents explained that folks in these parts, they didn't like show-offs. They didn't admire braggarts or bullies. They didn't respect mean-spiritedness or folks who were always looking for shortcuts in life. Instead, what they valued were traits like honesty and hard work, kindness, courtesy, humility, responsibility, helping each other out. That's what they believed in, true things, things that last, the things we try to teach our kids. And what my grandparents understood was that these values weren't limited to Kansas. They weren't limited to small towns. These values could travel to Hawaii. They could travel even to the other side of the world where my mother would end up working to help poor women get a better life, trying to apply those values. My grandparents knew these values weren't reserved for one race. They could be passed down to a half-Kenyan grandson or a half-Asian granddaughter. In fact, they were the same values Michelle's parents, the descendants of slaves, taught their own kids living in a bungalow on the south side of Chicago. They knew these values were exactly what drew Amer immigrants here. And they believed that the children of those immigrants were just as American as their own. Whether they wore a cowboy hat or a yarmulke, a baseball cap or a hijab, America has changed over the years. But these values that my grandparents taught me, they haven't gone anywhere. They're as strong as ever, still cherished by people of every party, every race, every faith. They live on in each of us. What makes us American, what makes us patriots, is what's in here. That's what matters. And that's why we can take the food and music and holidays and styles of other countries and blend it into something uniquely our own. That's why we can attract strivers and entrepreneurs from around the globe to build new factories and create new industries here. That's why our military can look the way it does. Every shade of humanity.
forged into common service. That's why anyone who threatens our values, whether fascists or communists or jihadists or homegrown demagogues, will always fail in the end. That is America. That is America. Those bonds of affection, that common creed. We don't fear the future, we shape it. We embrace it as one people, stronger together than we are on our own. That's what Hillary Clinton understands. This fighter, this stateswoman, this mother and grandmother, this public servant, this patriot, that's the America she's fighting for. Isn't that the America we're all fighting for? It's Mark Levine. Give me a call. 888-488-MARK. He's a Harvard economist and a Yale lawyer. He does not keep up with the Kardashians. He's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I went on a little long with President Obama's speech last night because if you're anything like me, hearing those words just sent chills up and down your spine. I mean, Obama hits it head on, talking about the hate in Cleveland, saying there's pernicious changes and dark forces beyond our control, and he compares them with American heartland values, the values he got in Kansas. The values of people, many of them were Republicans, most of whom, who didn't like show-offs, braggarts, or bullies. They didn't like mean-spiritedness or folks looking for shortcuts in life. They valued honesty, hard work, kindness, courtesy, humility, responsibility, helping each other out. And isn't that the heart of the difference between the Democratic and the Republican visions? He talked about the fact that the diversity that makes us strong, that every American kid, I thought this was so beautiful, whether they wear a cowboy hat or a yarmulke, a baseball cap or a hijab, that every party, every race, every faith, and that that's why Barack Obama said we can take the food and the music and the holidays of styles of other countries and blend it into something uniquely our own. We can celebrate Cinco de Mayo and you don't have to be Latino. You can listen to jazz and you don't have to be African American. We all like Chinese food. There's something about it that attack, that attracts strivers and entrepreneurs all over the globe. And when someone who threatens our values, he says, whether fascists or communists or jihadists or homegrown demagogues, they will always fail in the end. This is America. This is our common creed. We don't fear the future. We shape it. Embrace it. This is morning in America. 
not midnight in America. 888-48-MARK. More in the next hour. 888-48-6275. Back after this. Live from our nation's capital, it's the Inside Scoop with Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. This is the second hour of the show. We've got three hours today, which is good. I need a lot of time because I want to really revel in the joy that was last night. All the love in Philadelphia, all the people of all different backgrounds, black and white and Latino and Asian and Protestant and Catholic and Jewish and Muslim and atheist and men and women and gay and straight and transgender and abled and disabled and young and old and just kind of all holding hands and working together for common goals. And the few who tried to destroy the unity did not succeed. Because the vision of the Democratic Party is about working together. That's what we do. That's who we are. And it's about specific things that we all share and agree on. We don't agree necessarily on every single one of them. The environment may not be your passion. But if you're a Democrat, you probably care about the environment. Affordable college may not be your passion. But if you're a progressive, you think that college should be affordable. As should health care. You think that people should be able to make more money in their work. If you're a liberal, you care about civil rights for all. You may not be Latino or an immigrant, but you think they need an equal shake, an equal share. You may not be black, but you believe that black lives matter, that black people should be treated fairly by the police. You may not be gay, but you support marriage equality because you believe in equality under the law, because you believe in those words, the Declaration of Independence, that we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the right to pursue happiness. Hillary Clinton has very specific proposals. Tim Kaine, her vice presidential candidate, the next vice president of the United States, pointed out, you want to know what she stands for? You just click. All those people, well, what does Hillary stand for? Well, go to her website and click. Lots of detailed plans. As President Obama pointed out, though, there's a bit of a contrast between Hillary Clinton's detailed agenda, like it or lump it, it's there, and Donald Trump's vision, or lack thereof. Hillary has real plans to address the concerns she's heard from you on the campaign trail. She's got specific ideas to invest in new jobs, to help workers share in their company's profits, to help put kids in preschool and put students through college without taking on a ton of debt. That's what leaders do. And then there's Donald Trump. <laughs> Don't boo, vote. That was one of my favorite lines. Don't boo, vote. Yeah, the, uh, 
the the Donald is not really a plans guy. No, he's not. He's not really a facts guy either. He calls himself a business guy, which is true, but I have to say I know plenty of businessmen and women who've achieved remarkable success without leaving a trail of lawsuits and unpaid workers and people feeling like they got cheated. Does anyone really believe that a guy who spent his 70 years on this earth showing no regard for working people is suddenly going to be your champion, your voice? Hey, if so, you should vote for him. Does anybody really believe that a guy who spent his 70 years on this planet showing no regard for working people is suddenly going to be your champion, your voice? Do, do Trump supporters really believe that idiocy? Or do they just really, really hate people who aren't like themselves? Obama continues. But if you're someone who's truly concerned about paying your bills, if you're really concerned about pocketbook issues and seeing the economy grow and creating more opportunity for everybody, then the choice isn't even close. If you want someone with a lifelong track record of fighting for higher wages and better benefits and a fairer tax code and a bigger voice for workers and stronger regulations on Wall Street, then you should vote for Hillary Clinton. If you're rightly concerned about who's going to keep you and your family safe in a dangerous world, well, the choice is even clearer. Hillary Clinton is respected around the world, not just by leaders, but by the people they serve. I, I, I have to say this. Uh, people outside of the United States do not understand what's going on in this election. They really don't. Because they know Hillary. They've seen her work. She's worked closely with our intelligence teams, our diplomats, our military. She has the judgment and the experience and the temperament to meet the threat from terrorism. It's not new to her. It's not new to her. They all know her. They've all worked with her. They all trust her judgment. They know what she's capable of. And here we have the other guy praising Saddam Hussein, saying that Putin can have pieces of Ukraine. He says America is weak. He says America is weak, and yet he would make us weaker. He calls our military a disaster. I'd like to hear Donald Trump tell some of our strong men and women in the U.S. military that they're a disaster. America, as Barack Obama points out, from the Baltics to Burma, is still the light of freedom and dignity and human rights. There's a reason why we can't abandon our allies in NATO or say that if the United Kingdom doesn't pay up, we'll let England go. Did you know there were Americans that said that in the 1930s? Did you know that there were Americans when England was under a real threat, the United Kingdom was under a real threat of being invaded by the Nazis? 
said, ah, not our problem. We got problems here at home. We got a Great Depression here at home. Why should we be concerned about England? If the Nazis take over, the Nazis take over. They had strong leadership in America in the 1930s. They had heroes like Charles Lindbergh, the first to cross the Atlantic Ocean nonstop in a, in a plane. Well, what Charles Lindbergh had in pilot skills, he lacked in judgment. Excuse me. Wow, just thinking of that made me sneeze. Charles Lindbergh, who wanted to abandon Europe to the Nazis, created a movement here in America after his transatlantic flight. He called it America First. The America Firsters, the first America First movement, were Nazi sympathizers who wanted to abandon our allies to them. Ring a bell? That's why you haven't heard those words, America First, since the 1930s. They have a nasty tinge to anyone who knows anything about history. Now, I happen to think, and this is giving Donald credit, that he's too much of an idiot to know this basic fact about American history. That's the best we can think of those words. That only he's too idiotic and ignorant to know about the America First movement of the 1930s. He just doesn't know American history. That's the kindest thing I can say about him. Because if he does know, and he wants it to echo to the Nazis, and he wants it to be a signal to our NATO allies that we don't have their back, that's far worse. The kindest thing I could say about Donald Trump is he's likely an idiot. Because if he's not an idiot, he's even more dangerous than I expected. Barack Obama goes on to tear apart Donald Trump's slogan, we will make America great again. He says, and I'll play it here. America is already great. America is already strong. And I promise you, our strength, our greatness, does not depend on Donald Trump. In, in fact, it doesn't depend on any one person. And that, in the end, may be the biggest difference in this election. The meaning of our democracy. Ronald Reagan called America a shining city on a hill. Donald Trump calls it a, divi a divided crime scene that only he can fix. It doesn't matter to him that illegal immigration and the crime rate are as low as they've been in decades because he's not actually offering any real solutions to those issues. He's just offering slogans. And he's offering fear. He's betting that if he scares enough people, he might score just enough votes to win this election. And that's another bet that Donald Trump will lose. And the reason he'll lose it is because he's selling the American people short. We're not a fragile people. We're not a frightful people. 
Our power doesn't come from some self-declared savior promising that he alone can restore order as long as we do things his way. We don't look to be ruled. That's real important. We don't look to be ruled by a savior. Fuhrer can't happen here or shouldn't happen here. We don't need someone who says, I alone can fix it. Those people are dangerous. Our power, our power comes from those immortal declarations first put to paper right here in Philadelphia all those years ago. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that we, the people, can form a more perfect union. That's who we are. That's our birthright. The capacity to shape our own destiny. That's what drove that's what drove patriots to choose revolution over tyranny and our GIs to liberate a continent. It's what gave women the courage to reach for the ballot and marchers to cross a bridge in Selma and workers to organize and fight for collective bargaining and better wages. See, Barack Obama reminds us of our history, of our ethos, what we're all about. Nothing perhaps defines America more than the Declaration of Independence. It is what made us who we are. It is indeed our separation from England and our recognition that there are certain alienable rights to all humanity. It is what makes made women search for the vote, even though Thomas Jefferson wrote all men were created equal. To make marchers in Selma cross that bridge. Barack Obama is reminding us of our better side. Of who America either really is or really should be. He reminds us where we come from. He reminds us what is in our heart. And hate and fear and division. Yep, they've been in America for a couple hundred years but they've never been who we really think we are. Call it if you want, 888-48-MARK, 888-48-6275. We'll be right back. He's a Bible-quoting, Constitution-loving, flag-waving, red-blooded, liberal American. He's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. Back to the aggressive progressive, Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. I've been playing a lot of President Obama's speech at the Democratic National Convention last night. And I really like the part where he reminds us of the imperfections of democracy. Because democracy is frustrating. As someone who has been a citizen activist from outside and a recently elected Virginia delegate from inside, I can tell you it's frustrating. Not only can you not always get what you want, you rarely get what you want. And when you get what you want, 
it's almost never the first time out. Usually it's after 10 years of long, hard battles and you move it incrementally ahead. It's a long, hard slog. But I'm also reminded of the great Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of England, of course, during World War II, who said democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the others. Love that comment. Churchill recognized it for all its messy imperfections. Democracy is all we got. It's the only way we're not going to be ruled by some strong man who's not in it for the people, but in it for himself, someone like Donald Trump. And Barack Obama reminded us of this last night. America's never been about what one person says he'll do for us. It's about what can be achieved by us, together, through the hard and slow and sometimes frustrating, but ultimately enduring work of self-government. And that's what Hillary Clinton understands. She knows that this is a big diverse country. She has seen it. She's traveled. She's talked to folks. And she understands that most issues are rarely black and white. She understands that even when you're 100% right, getting things done requires compromise. That democracy doesn't work if we constantly demonize each other. Remember that. Democracy doesn't work. She knows that for progress to happen, We have to listen to each other and see ourselves in each other and fight for our principles, but also fight to find common ground, no matter how elusive that may sometimes seem. The fight for common ground reminds me of, well, the 1980s, when President Ronald Reagan and Speaker of the House Tip O'Neill, who disagreed on so much, would go out together with a drink and come back with a compromise. This demonization that's coming from Cleveland. This hate and fear, this idea that you're going to take an imperfect politician like Hillary Clinton and somehow make her into a criminal while their nominee can call for a foreign dictator to commit espionage against the United States? Really? 888-48-MARK 888-48-6275 Back after this. And now, the voice of reason in an unreasonable world, Mark Levine. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. I've been playing President Obama's speech at length last night. What he said last night, I've been playing at length today. Because I think his speech really clarifies the difference between the parties, the difference between the choices in 2016. It is the last big speech I think our president will give. It was a powerful message and one to remember. I'm going to play one last clip from it. Then I'm going to take some calls and then move on to Tim Kaine, Hillary Clinton's vice president, who had to really had some good lines on Donald Trump. And then I want to move on in the next hour to Joe Biden. 
because our vice president also had a lot to say. It was a beautiful night last night. It's just It just made me proud to be an American. Proud of a country that looks out for one another instead of uh, people that stomps on one another. Donald Trump stepped on everybody on the way to the top. He's someone who attacked his everyone who worked for him, wouldn't even pay them for the jobs they did. But he's the anomaly. I still think of America as mostly good people, mostly looking out for one another, mostly not selfish. But then I look on the left, and there are definitely people who are angry that we haven't gone far enough. And I understand that anger. Actually, I support a lot of the things that Bernie Sanders stands for. But this idea that you have to get every single thing you want, 100% of what you want, and if you don't, you're going home or you're not going to vote in this election or you're going to vote for some third-party candidate, it's just not realistic. President Obama reminded us that democracy is messy, that we don't always get what we want, but if we want it, we got to work for it. One of my favorite quotes is from Margaret Mead, who wrote, Never doubt that a small group of committed people, thoughtful committed people, can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. President Obama reminds us that if you want democracy, you got to work for it. And he tells us how. Hillary knows we can work through racial divides in this country when we realize the worry black parents feel when their son leaves the house isn't so different than what a brave cop's family feels when he puts on the blue and goes to work, that we can honor police and treat every community fairly. We can do that. And she knows she knows that acknowledging problems that have festered for decades isn't making race relations worse. It's creating the possibility for people of goodwill to join and make things better. <laughs> Hillary knows we can insist on a lawful and orderly immigration system while still seeing striving students and their toiling parents as loving families, not criminals or rapists. Families that came here for the same reason our forebears came, to work and to study and to make a better life, in a place where we can talk and worship and love as we please. She knows their dream is quintessentially American. And the American dream is something no wall will ever contain. Love that line. The American dream is something no wall can ever contain. These are the things that Hillary knows. It can be frustrating, this business of democracy. Trust me, I know. Yes, he does. Hillary knows, too. When the other side refuses to compromise, progress can stall. People are hurt by the inaction. Supporters can grow impatient and worry that you're not trying hard enough, that you've maybe sold out that's what we fear. But I promise you, when we keep at it, 
when we change enough minds, when we deliver enough votes, then progress does happen. And if you doubt that, just ask the 20 million more people who have health care today. Just ask the Marine who proudly serves his country without hiding the husband that he loves. Democracy works, America, but we got to want it. Not just during an election year, but all the days in between. You got to work for it. It's so not if easy. you agree that there's too much inequality in our economy and too much money in our politics, we all need to be as vocal and as organized and as persistent as Bernie Sanders supporters have been during this election. We all need to get out and vote for Democrats up and down the ticket and then hold them accountable until they get the job done. That's right, feel the burn. If you want more justice in the justice system, then we've all got to vote not just for a president, but for mayors and sheriffs and state's attorneys and state legislatures. Yeah, don't forget state legislators, folks. That's where the criminal law is made. And we've got to work with police and protesters until laws and practices are changed. That's how democracy works. If you want to fight climate change, We've got to engage not only young people on college campuses, we've got to reach out to the coal miner who's worried about taking care of his family, the single mom worried about gas prices. If you want to protect our kids and our cops from gun violence, we've got to get the vast majority of Americans, including gun owners who agree on things like background checks, to be just as vocal and just as determined as the gun lobby that blocks change through every funeral that we hold. That is how change happens. So he's given us a blueprint. He's reminded us that democracy is messy, that you can't always get what you want and you can't always get what you want right away. But with persistence, progress does happen. And I can tell you from my own life experience, and those of you who've heard me on the radio for years know it, I've been very persistent about a lot of issues, about issues of domestic violence, marriage equality, making sure that our votes count, making sure that, well, we are treated equally in America. And I've won a lot of my battles. In fact, those are three I have won. I've also got a few I have yet to fight, or to put it more directly, I've fought but haven't won yet issues of gun violence and environmental justice, fighting climate change, raising the minimum wage. Yeah, we got a lot more fights to fight. But we can win. Don't give up. If you give up, they win. And if you don't give up and you go through the messy compromises of democracy, the worst system of government, 
except for all the others. You can and do succeed. I was very heartened by Barack Obama's speech last night. It was a beautiful thing. I will now take some calls. A bunch of you have been holding on for a long while. 888-48-MARK, 888-48-6275. Dave in Humboldt County on line one. How are you, sir? Hey, Mark. Another inside scoop for us to discuss is that uh, a lot of our elected officials, all of the Republicans, are indeed owned by some big corrupt corporate special interests. And yet you were pleased that some of the worst of them chose not to be a part of what Trump is all about. And, uh, and I wonder why would that be the case? And what I think I've come to the conclusion is that Trump is his own big special interest. Well, He's that's right. What's in it for Trump? That's right. He's so much owned by Halle Burton and Lockheed Martin and Boeing and you know, all of the- no, but they could pay him, and then he'd be owned by them. Just like uh, he'll give Vladimir Putin part of Crimea, uh, as long as Putin hacks Hillary Clinton's emails. Uh, yeah, Trump, can, Trump can be bought, but you're right; he's looking out for his own interest first. He's, he's owned by Trump Industries, isn't yeah. I think Yep. Yeah, no, fair. I agree. I agree. All right, my friend. I agree. It was a hell of a nice convention. Last well, it's not over yet. No, wait, wait. It's not over. It's not over. The best is yet to come. The best is tonight. The best is Hillary Clinton's acceptance speech, the speech that hopefully will be better than everything before it, although that's a very, very high bar. Uh, We're three out of four, Dave, but it's not over yet. Please watch Hillary tonight, all right? I'll be there, believe me. Okay. Thanks for calling in, Dave. Appreciate it. Let me go to Old Faithful, Michael from the Bronx. How are you, sir? What's up, good buddy? You know, I've been DVRing the convention because I've had to go out during the evening, so I wanted to make sure that I don't miss a thing, either now or later. And the clips I've seen, yes, it's been a bunch of speakers from all different angles. I shouldn't use the word angles, but I think you know what I mean. No, different viewpoints, and and, and it was a wide, wonderful, diverse audience. That's a, yeah, thank you. You, you. you called it better. And the thing is that each and every one of them have hit a home run using baseball language, which, as you said, the best is yet to come. And I sense that Hillary is going to hit a grand slam. Now, I think what she is, too. has me amazed, and thank God for President Barack Obama laying the case out about facts from fiction. And well, to me, what I liked about about President Obama was it wasn't just the beginning of his speech, which which actually I didn't play, which was largely about the the great things he's done as our president, lowering unemployment, increasing jobs, uh, things that are factual and, and, and undisputable, but really aren't about the future. They're about the past. What I liked most was the part I played, the part about philosophy, the part about how we Democrats look at the world versus how Republicans look at the world, that we look at an America where we all help each other. Versus a party yeah. that that looks at America and says, "How can I help myself?" And, and I, I wanted yeah. I wanted to address that thing about the Republicans. I mean, as we have discussed before, time after time, it was one lie after another after another against Obama, and these days against Hillary. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned about the um, the email hacks from 
from the Russians and Trump's comments beforehand. Because, you know, it amazes me how they keep saying crooked Hillary, crooked Hillary, lock Hillary up for this, lock Hillary up for that. And you find that every single allegation made by Republicans were proven to be false. Well, that's right. She was completely exonerated in Benghazi, for example. But yet, here we find um, Trump and more. Did I lose you? Crime or legal act after another, after another, after another. I mean, people got to wake up and realize that the one guy and a bunch of these Republicans making false accusations against Hillary and Democrats, you find out later that they're the ones that committed the damn crimes. Well, it's called projection. It's when you've done things wrong and then you project it on others. I'm afraid there was a lot of it in Cleveland. And I'm so sick of that, too. I understand. Well, I'll tell you what. Relax and enjoy the hate in Cleveland, at least for now. Is 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 it should be a bit of a memory. Hopefully, America will put it out. And I really want you to sit oh. back and enjoy Hillary's speech tonight. I, I think it's going well, to be a really good enjoy, one. Let me make something clear. I will enjoy Hillary's speech, nonetheless. But this, this hate and all that stuff—that's how people getting hurt. That's how people are getting killed. And like I said, I'm so fed up with these Republicans initiating this stuff, and yet they are not being held accountable as anybody well, else. Well, the is. way they can be held accountable. I am so much. The way they can be held accountable, Michael. It's, it's 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 what it's what Barack Obama said. It's what our president said to us last night. He said, "Don't boo, vote. You know, go oh, out I'll and make a right? difference. And don't just vote for president. Vote for sheriffs. Vote for state legislators. Vote for local people. Mark, vote for mayor. Vote for city me. council. I know you do, Michael. For people like you, yep. I have one more thing to do. See, for people What's like that? you who know what they're doing, voting's not enough. Not only do you have to vote up and down the ballot." But you have to persuade others to do so. You have to get other people I out of their the house. Word, man. You have to register people to vote who aren't registered to vote. You got to get people to ride to the polls. You got to join yep. your, your 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 local Democratic Party. You got to go to HillaryClinton.com and help her in any way she can. Join your local Democratic Party. Yep. There are there are ways to help, and I'm going to be there. You know, on the front lines. And Michael, I know you'll be there as well. And there's one more thing to vote for. You know what that is? What? Sack the cops on these criminals. <laughs> well, you know what? I don't believe in criminalizing political opponents. I think hopefully Donald Trump will simply step in his own mud and, um, well, go down like that. Because America's better than that. America's better than that. This is Mark Levine coming up. We've got some really good speeches by Vice President, the next Vice President, Tim Kaine, and the current Vice President, Joe Biden. Live from our nation's capital, it's the Inside Scoop with Mark Levine. in America, welcome to the third and final hour of the Inside Scoop from Washington. I am your host, Mark Levine, reporting live from the Center for American Progress in Washington, D.C. Going over the Democratic National Convention highlights, of course, the highlight of the highlights is going to be tonight when Democratic nominee Hillary Rodham Clinton, former Secretary of State, former Senator, former First Lady, former Children's Defense Fund worker, former worker on behalf of 
of uh, women and minorities who are discriminated against, former attorney, current wife, mother, grandmother, will be the first woman in a major party in American history to accept their party's nomination. But of course, the reason to vote for Hillary has very little to do with the fact that she's a woman. In fact, I would argue that the fact that she's a woman makes it harder for her. As Barack Obama said, she, like Ginger Rogers, has to do the same stuff in heels and backwards. And in many ways, she does. When you think about the complaints about Hillary Clinton, the complaints often go to that she doesn't have enough compassion or empathy. Now, no one can spend their entire life working for and on behalf of children and indeed setting up something like the Children's Defense Fund, making it grow, Marion Wright Edelman's vision of giving children a defense. You can't do that if you don't have a ton of empathy. Hillary Clinton's worked very, very hard her entire life to make lives better for ordinary people. But she's a woman. So if she shows too much compassion, too much empathy, you know, resting her head on Barack Obama's shoulders as she did last night, there are going to be some that think she's weak. But if she shows strength, if she shows toughness, if she shows that she can play with the men and actually beat them at their own game, well, then she's a five-letter word beginning with B and rhyming with which. You know how it is. Women in the workplace know how it is. You can't win for losing. You're too feminine or too masculine. Rather than evaluate a candidate based on the job they're doing, too many people evaluate women based on whether or not they're woman enough or man enough or whatever enough, all of which are irrelevant to whether or not they do a good job. Hillary Clinton, I think manages to get around that as much as possible. But it's difficult. Think of the other women in politics, the ones who lead their countries. Margaret Thatcher comes to mind, Iron Lady. Angela Merkel of Germany comes to mind, seen again as an extremely tough woman. Golda Meir, one of the first women leaders in the world, Prime Minister of Israel back in the 1970s also seen as very, very tough, although she was also a grandmother and had a heart of gold. And Dira Gandhi, even earlier than Golda Meir in the 1960s, in India, also seen as very tough. And maybe leaders have to be tough. I understand that. It's fascinating to me that Tim Kaine, the vice presidential nominee, my senator from Virginia, a very good man who also has a long history working to prevent discrimination, a former missionary down in Honduras, someone who speaks Spanish fluently, someone who's looks out, looked out for the little guy his entire life, whether as mayor or senator or governor, lieutenant governor. This guy, Tim Kaine, could afford to be a little more aw shucks, a little more hey, um, a little more regular guyish. If he were a woman, he would be seen as not serious. In fact, Tim Kaine is a very serious guy. He's a very friendly guy. He's a very warm, empathetic guy. Tim Cade could afford to show empathy in a way that Hillary Clinton couldn't. I'm just pointing out the sexism that exists. You might not have noticed it. It's all around us. 
The fact that Hillary Clinton will be the first woman president is not the reason you should vote for her. But neither should the fact that she's a woman in any way detract from the fact that she is by far, as Barack Obama said, the most qualified candidate for president probably in the history of the United States. As Obama pointed out, she has way more qualifications than he did when he ran for office, or than Bill Clinton did when he ran for office. It was a mere governor of a pretty small southern state called Arkansas. Hillary Clinton has foreign experience, domestic experience. She's worked in the legislative branch. She's worked in the executive branch. She's worked as a citizen activist. And she has a history of this, something we can trust. This is what Tim Kaine talked about last night when he was reminding us who Hillary Clinton is. Um, last week, last week in, um, in Cleveland, we heard a lot about trust. So, um, so let's talk about trust. Let's talk about trust. I want to tell you why I trust Hillary Clinton. First, she's consistent. She has battled to put kids and families first since she was a teenager. In, in good times and bad, in victory and defeat, in and out of office, through hell or high water, fighting for underprivileged kids, working at the Children's Defense Fund, fighting to get health insurance for 8 million low-income children when she was first lady, fighting for the well-being of women and children around the world. Hey, can I offer you a little tip? When you want to know something about the character of somebody in public life, Look to see if they have a passion that began long before they were in office and that they have consistently held it throughout their career. Now, that's a great tip. That's a great tip. You want to know whether you can trust someone? Look to see if they had a passion that began long before they were in office and whether they've held it consistently throughout their career. It's such a good tip, he repeats it. Do they have a passion? Did it start before they were in office? Have they held on to it consistently? Folks, Hillary has a passion for kids and families. Donald, uh, Donald Trump has a passion too. It's himself. And with Hillary, it's not just words, it's accomplishments. She delivers. As Senator, after 9-11, I got my New Yorkers right here and my Virginians right here. She battled, she battled congressional Republicans to care for the first responders who went into the towers, who went into the Pentagon and saved the victims of those terrorist attacks. As Secretary of State, she implemented tough sanctions against Iran to pave the way for a diplomatic breakthrough to curtail a nuclear weapons program. <clears throat> and she wasn't afraid. She wasn't afraid. She wasn't afraid to stand up against thugs and dictators. And as a key part 
of the Obama national security team, they decided to go to the ends of the earth to wipe out Osama bin Laden. Hey, do y'all, um, y'all remember Carla, the little girl that we heard from on Monday night? who was worried that her parents would be deported? Carla said she trusts Hillary to keep them together. And, and, and do you remember the mothers of the movement last night? They said they trust Hillary to keep other mothers' sons and daughters safe. And. Um, and on a personal level, as he's serving our nation abroad, I trust Hillary Clinton with our son's life. That's a lot of trust to trust someone with your son's life. Dan Tim Kaine's son is serving abroad. When we come back from break, I want to go to more of Tim Kaine's speech, specifically where he talks about the man he doesn't trust. The man who says, believe me, all the time. The Donald. Right back after this. He's a Harvard economist and a Yale lawyer. He does not keep up with the Kardashians. He's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. Who says nerds can't be fun? It's Mark Levine. Welcome back to the Inside Soup. I'm your host, Mark Levine, playing the highlights of the convention day three last night. Last night, the Democratic National Convention setting up a stark contrast between the hate in Cleveland and the love in Philadelphia. Between a party that hates and fears and demonizes the other and a party that's all about hope and inclusiveness and trying to make lives better. Hillary Clinton detailed policy proposals against the guy that, well, can you trust Donald Trump? Tim Kaine, senator from Virginia, the next vice president of the United States, Hillary Clinton's vice presidential pick, my home state senator, has just described why he trusts Hillary Clinton. Now listen to what he says about Donald Trump. Now, you know who I don't trust? Hmm, I wonder. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Trump is a guy who promises a lot, but uh, you might have noticed he's got a way of saying the same two words every time he makes his biggest, hugest promises. Believe me. It's going to be great, believe me. We're going to build a wall and make Mexico pay for it, believe me. We're going to destroy ISIS so fast, believe me. There's nothing suspicious in my tax returns, believe me. (laughs) 
by the way, does anybody in this massive auditorium believe that Donald Trump's been paying his fair share of taxes? No! Does anybody here believe that Trump ought to release his tax returns just like every other presidential candidate in modern history? Of course he should. Hey, Donald, what are you hiding? And yet, and yet, Donald still says, believe me, believe me. Believe me? Believe me? I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Most people, when, when they run for president, they don't just say, believe me. They respect you enough to tell you how they will get things done. I mean, that's, that's what most people who run for president do. In fact, you can go on HillaryClinton.com right now and find out exactly how she'll make the biggest investment in new jobs in a generation, how she'll defend and build on Wall Street reform, how she'll reform our immigration system to create a path to citizenship, how she'll make it possible to graduate from college debt-free. You can see how she'll protect Roe v. Wade, guarantee equal pay for women, and make paid family legal reality. All it takes is one click. All it takes is one click, and we can see how she'll do it, how she'll pay for it, and how we'll benefit by it. Not Donald Trump. Not Donald Trump. He never tells you how he's going to do any of the things he says he'll do. He just says, believe me. So, so here's the question. Here's the question. Do you really believe him? No! I mean, Donald Trump's whole career says you better not small contractors, companies just like my dad's, believed him, believed him when he said that he'd pay them to build a casino in Atlantic City. They did the work, they hung the drywall, they poured the concrete, but a year after opening, Trump filed for bankruptcy. He walked away with millions and they got pennies on the dollar. Some of them went out of businesses, all because they believed Donald Trump. retirees and families in Florida. They believed Donald Trump when he said that he'd build them some condos. Thousands of them. They paid their deposits. But the condos, they were never built. He just pocketed their money and walked away. They lost tens of thousands of dollars all because they believed Donald Trump. Charity after charity Charity after charity believed Donald Trump when he said he would contribute to them. And thousands of Trump University students believed Donald Trump when he said he would help them succeed. They got stiffed. He says, believe me, well, his creditors, his contractors, his laid-off employees, and his ripped-off students did just that, and they all got hurt. Folks, 
You cannot believe one word that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. Not one word. Not one word. Not one word. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you, to me, to me, it just seems like our nation, it is just too great to put it in the hands of a slick-talking, empty-promising, self-promoting, one-man wrecking crew. But, do, but don't, don't take it from me. Don't take it from me. Take it from former First Lady Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush said she doesn't know how any woman could vote for him after his offensive comments about women. And again, maybe the first thing I've ever agreed with Barbara Bush about. How could any woman possibly vote for Donald Trump? 888-48-MARK. Back after this. Back to the aggressive progressive, Mark Levine. Welcome back to Inside Scoop. Just got about a half hour left, but there's still time to call in if you like it. 888-48-MARK, 888-48-6275. I got a couple calls on the line. I'll get to both of you. I just want to finish playing um, the rest of Tim Kaine's speech. Uh, not the whole speech, but just the part where he talks about why he doesn't trust Donald Trump. Our nation, it is just too great to put it in the hands of a slick-talking, empty-promising, self-promoting, one-man wrecking crew. But, do, but don't, don't take it from me. Don't take it from me. Take it from former First Lady Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush said she doesn't know how any woman could vote for him after his offensive comments about women. Any woman, any woman. Or, or John McCain's chief economic advisor during the 08 race, who estimate that Trump's promises would cause America to lose 3.5 million jobs. Or, or the independent analysts who found that Trump's tax plan given to the wealthy and the biggest corporations would rack up $30 trillion in debt. Or, or how about this? How about this? John Kasich, the Republican governor who had the honor of hosting the Republican convention in Cleveland, but he wouldn't even attend it because he thinks Donald Trump is such a moral disaster. Or, or take it from the guy, take it from the guy who co-wrote Donald Trump's autobiography. And you really should hear him. If Here's you what he said about Trump: "Quote, lying is second nature to him." So, do you believe him? No. I don't know. How about on this side? Do you guys believe him? No. I mean, do you guys believe him? 
Is there anyone in this building who believes him? The next president, the next president will face many challenges. We better elect the candidate who's proven she can be trusted with the job. So that was Tim Kaine, pretty good for his first uh, major speech, and of course he makes some solid points about Donald Trump. I noted, I noted that verbal tick, that believe me tick, long time ago. In fact, I, every time he says it, he says believe me. I just say no, I don't believe you, Donald. I think anyone who says believe me, believe me, is someone who doesn't believe himself and is trying to trick you. Let's go to the phones. I've got Reggie and George on line one. Hey, Reggie, how are you? Happy Thursday to you too, Mark. What I would like to know what Tim Kaine said about Donald Trump mockingly. And you know he's going to attack him in response, right? Because he has a legendary, notorious reputation of doing that and doing so. I don't know that he will. Tim Kaine is such a nice guy and is seen as such a nice guy. I think any attack from Donald Trump would completely backfire. In fact, I think so far Trump has ignored him. But Trump has his own problems because he's been asking the Russian dictator to commit espionage against the United States. So right. that's he, that hot water is far more serious than Tim Kaine saying he doesn't believe him. Yeah, well, he, it, it, didn't, it hasn't stopped him from attacking anybody else yet. Now, has it? I mean, well, I know he's going to attack. No, no, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a long campaign. Uh, we still got several months, so, so we, we will right. see. Well, I know he. I know that Barack Obama. I'm sure they, that he and Joe Biden have been attacked and criticized and called for their speeches last night. And I'm sure the exact same thing going to happen to Hillary Rodham Clinton tonight. Because I'm sure they attacked Bill. You know, oh, Bill well, and Bill Obama. The, what's interesting is I find they're attacking Obama less now that his time in the presidency is waning, and they're attacking Hillary Clinton more. What people forget is that when mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, she had an approval rating of like 67%. Two-thirds of Americans supported her. When she was a senator, she even had a higher approval rating. People like Hillary except when the demonization machine comes, and the demonization machine is, well, is working its will. But I think that this convention will bring her out. I think we're going to find that her poll numbers in the next three, four days are right. going to go up. The Sanders supporters will support her. And then we're not looking back. At least that, that's what I hope. So right. We'll see. Well, why are they attacking other people's, you know, spouses or their kids? I thought that they were supposed to focus on them. Oh, everything apparently is fair game in politics. What yeah, can I tell you? But that, yeah, but attacking kids, you know, leave them out of it. Which you kids? Know, Chelsea them, or someone else? Any, well, anybody. Yeah. Chelsea, I haven't seen too much attack on the kids. That's uh, good. But, you know, the spouses, you know, when Melania Trump plagiarizes Michelle Obama... Right. That's, you know, <laughs> something yeah. has to be brought up. Thanks for your call, Reg. I'm going to get a few more callers. Let's go to Troy in Charlottesville, Virginia, on line two. Hey, Troy, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, brother. Thanks for asking. Sure, thanks for coming. Um, well, thank you very much, man. But um, I was telling you a screen earlier. I was like, you know, you know what's going on right now, I'm kind of worried about you guys, man, because Trump is in the polls, behind the polls, you know, but because he's appealing to mostly that working-class white voters, that are angry, that are bitter, that are you know what I'm saying they want their they want their so-called country back, and America is a good a good country. But all all I heard last week was the country's going to hell in the handbasket. And this week I'm hearing everything is, is all peaches and cream. Well, we can twist that around a little bit. Yes, things have gotten better, but things have gotten worse. So it's like you know you got mourning in America, dreaming in color. 
You know, I don't know that, that things have gotten worse since 08. I, I'll be the first to tell you we haven't gone as far as we need to go. It's worse as far as racial issues, because, you know, when young black men are getting murdered, she's by these race soldiers. You know, Troy, and- I got to tell you, um, and, 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 and I say this with, with sort of respect, um, I think young black men have been murdered by the police since long before 2014, 2015, 2016. I think, personally, it's the ubiquitousness of iPhones and the fact that you can easily take a video just by something that everyone carries in their pockets that is showing these things on camera more. But, you know, Rodney King was back in, what, 1993? One. When was that? 91. 91. So that's, that's 25 years ago. And the only reason why it was rare then, I think, is because someone had a video camera, and not too many people had video cameras in 1991. Yeah, so I, I don't know that it's gotten worse I think, frankly, we know about it more because of the of the phones. And actually, I think it's a good thing, not the killings, to be sure. But the fact that we know about it is a good thing because it's leading to the Black Lives Matter movement. It's leading to people fighting against it. It's leading to Hillary Clinton but talking about time, it. So, so I don't think time, things are worse. I don't. I really don't. At the same time, it has to go from Black Lives Matter to actually Black Policies Matter. And we have to put something in place. But we can't get prosecution when everybody's politically connected. So, you know, as a black man in America, I want to vote Democrat, but I feel like still white liberals have taken the vote for granted at the expense of them getting the so-called minorities agenda push. See, well, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I, let you know, me tell you, Troy, uh, let me give you an example, all right? So I'm a Virginia state right, cool. delegate. I'm, I'm a state I, legislator. I, I know that. Actually, I, I, right. I, I followed your election. Fantastic. I appreciate that. I know you can't vote for me because you're in Charlottesville. But if yes. you followed really close, you know, he's my senator. Okay. Well, good, good. He's a good man. Um, one of the things that I worked on, uh, and right. it came out of these shootings, was a bill to regulate body cameras in the Commonwealth of Virginia. A bill to have standards so that we can encourage and even have funding for police to have body cameras. Because the great thing about body cameras is that they protect the truth. They don't protect the citizen. They don't protect the police officer. They protect the truth. If the citizen is in the wrong, then they protect the police. If the police officer is in the wrong, they protect the citizen. And so, by you guys being weak in the, in the Virginia House of Delegates, that's not going to get there. You've got a mostly rural Republican majority. Well, well you're right. Well, you're right. You're, look, look, you're absolutely right. The Virginia House of Delegates is controlled. Uh, they got 66 out of 100 seats that are Republican because they've gerrymandered the heck out of it. But the point is, is and, and, and President Obama said this last night, you got to vote for Democrats up and down the line. It's not just the president of the United States. It, yeah, it's, it is the Virginia elections of 2017. And let me tell you something. Without a Democratic governor, with Terry McAuliffe having to leave, because Virginia has this silly system where governors can only serve one term, if we don't I'm elect... Actually, I'm actually in agreement with that. I'm if we don't, if we don't elect uh, Lieutenant Governor Ralph Northam to be governor next year... Uh, we're in big trouble because the Republicans do control the General Assembly. My, my, my point is this, Troy. I do think we're better off than we were eight years ago. I really do. I think economically we're better off. I think uh, in crime we're better off. I think even in police shootings we may know more about it because phones record videos. But I don't think it's any worse than it was 8, 10, 20, 50 years ago. I, I think we've come a long way. I'm, I, in no way am I saying we don't have a long way still to go. But – in my view, the, the people in Cleveland who are so concerned see a different America from the ones that we Democrats see that President well, Obama— Well, they've pretty much shown that. 
they pretty much have shown that last week. Well, that's right. And their America, I have to say, comes from and, – and some of this is, 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 frankly, these inexorable forces that are – bigger than President Obama, bigger than Hillary Clinton, bigger than Bill Clinton, bigger than George W. Bush. The idea of globalization and outsourcing and the idea that we can get really cheap jobs in Mexico or Bangladesh or Vietnam or wherever. The problem isn't the immigrants. The problem is the businesses going abroad. And one of the things I like that Hillary Clinton is on board with, uh, frankly, even better than Donald Trump, is trying to encourage businesses to stay here rather than outsource abroad. And I got to tell you, I think at the end of the day, and we'll find out, I think morning in America beats midnight in America in any day. I think Americans are, at the end of the day, we're an optimistic people. We get upset about things that are wrong that should get us upset. But to me, we are one of the most optimistic, optimistic nations on the planet. I don't think you can take down the American spirit. I don't, and frankly, we're much better off if there was any time to feel down. It wasn't. It's not now. It was eight years ago when we were in the greatest depression since the Great Depression. When I mean, you know, talking about that was the, that was the robbery of the century. Yeah, it absolutely was. The economy was collapsing. Wall Street caused it. George Bush helped it, and we were all really, really suffering. If there was a time to be down, it's back in two thousand eight. Times are up. Times are good. President Obama has done a good job, and to the extent that he hasn't gone as far as I or you would like, you know why? It's the Republican Congress that's been stopping well, him from doing that. You Just like me, I can't do all I want to do because in Virginia we don't have a, a majority there either. So it's the same uh, you know, as Bill Clinton. When well, Bill but, Clinton came in '92, right? It's like this: every time the Democrats get all three branches of government, they have to kind of ram everything through real quickly because yeah, oh, angry white voters in those rural areas, and by us in the cities not really voting on their terms, they're more likely to come out. Well, Troy, let me say so, this: let me say this: we can't do too much about angry white voters voting in midterms, all right? They have a right to do it. I don't like it, but they have a right to do it. That's America. That's democracy. What we can do something about, you and I and everyone across the country can do something about, is going on 2016, on November 2016, and handing a piece of paper to every damn voter you see and telling them, thank you for voting today. Now, remember and put on your refrigerator and circle the calendar. you got to come back and vote in November 2017, because in Virginia we have elections every year. If you're not in Virginia, vote in November 2018. If the people who voted in presidential years on our side, if the people on our side voted in the off-year elections, 2017, 2018, 2019, if they voted not just for president, but for state legislators and mayors and city councilmen and all up and down the ballot and governors, attorney generals, if the same Obama coalition that does really well in presidential years would come out in the off years, we wouldn't have to worry about the angry white vote. We would outnumber them. And so we or, need or to try to outdo them. Well, we the outvote them. Are, we the outvote them. It's not happening. Well, it's well, I think we're going to win this year. And then I need I you to so. help. But I need you to help me get your voters in Charlottesville back next year. Because I'm really worried. As a Virginian, I'm really worried about 2017. Will you help me do that? Well, I'm going to do it, man. All right. Everyone does their part. It's all you can do in life. You do your part to, to the larger cause, and you see what you can do. Thanks for your call, Troy. I appreciate it. Let me go to Paul in Washington State on line three. Hey, Paul, how are you? Hey, Mark. You know, I've actually thought of this is my idea, to hand out end-of-the-year calendars because it's every year. It's, here's how it goes. Here's, you have to think of it in your head this way, people. First, at the end of October, you have Halloween, and right after that, every year, 
is election day somewhere. You have ele- we have elections in every state every year. You know, so in other words, you have local elections. So it goes Halloween, election day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. That's the way the end of the end of the year schedule goes. That's right. So tell the parents when they come out with their kids trick or treating, make sure you vote. Make next sure you week, vote next week. Yeah, after Halloween, the next week is election day. That's right. And it's Every really year. tricky for those of us in Virginia, New Jersey, Mississippi. There are just a few states that have statewide elections on the off years. True. It's, it's really true. hard for us. Frankly, I would move our election in Virginia, if I could, to the even years just because people don't know. They don't vote, even though we've done it in Virginia for 300 years. Right, but like 400 Bernie, years. There's, there's school board elections, all these things. Well, you're right, you and those matter, too. Those you're matter, up. too. You can't, you can't just say, oh, that's, you know, that's not... You know, it's no big deal to vote. It's no big deal to vote. And I'll give you a dirty little secret. As someone who has voted in every single election in my life to which I could legally vote since I was 18 years old. Me too. I'm going to tell you, well, good for you, Paul. You and I were the few, the proud. Let me tell you a little secret to those of you who haven't, those of you quadrennial people who only vote in presidential years. You know those long lines around the block that you have to wait for in presidential years? They exist. But when you vote in the off years, guess what, folks? There's no line. There's no line. So you think it's tough to vote? It kind of, it is kind of tough in presidential years. You do have to wait half an hour, sometimes hours. You go to vote in those off years or those primaries, and primary votes count too, people, and you get in and out right away. And you know what? If you start swaying the elections our way, you'll get like in Washington State. What I have to wait for is I have to wait till I get around to my ballot on my desk. Because uh, we have voter by mail. Well, brag all you want, Paul. Make the rest of us jealous. Okay, well, listen, you forgot to mention one thing, Mark, about the success of the Obama administration. Uh, The ACA, the Affordable Care Act, is cutting costs, and everybody's benefiting from that. Uh, Here's some statistics. Uh, The CBO projected that 20 million people would be uh, enrolled to the uh, ACA exchanges by the year 2020. We've already hit 24 million. That's a huge accomplishment. And so that's about. Well, Paul, you know what? You're bragging again because here in Virginia, we didn't have Medicaid expansion because the Republicans said that it cost nothing and it saved thousands of lives and hundreds of millions of dollars. And Obama would be a hero. Therefore, we can't have it. We'd rather have people die. We'd rather tax hundreds of millions of dollars rather than give Obama credit for saving lives. So, again, all I have to say is I'm jealous of you folks on the left coast. Right. You you, you also, in Virginia, you're. uh, you would rather have your insurance rates go up because the people that right. come in without insurance, they don't have even Medicaid. The hospitals have to say, you know what, we, we lost money on that, so we have to raise our rates, which means the insurance companies have to hike your premiums. It's all true. Are you listening, Virginians? Yeah, I need okay. your help. We need you to elect Democrats, and our Virginia elections are in November 2017. Or you can pay, you can pay uh, through the federal government's disproportional share hospital uh, right. reimbursements that the, that the federal government pays, so that's your tax. Yeah, no, in Virginia, the hospitals... Anyway. Agreed to pay all of Virginia's portion. It costs us nothing. Just Republicans don't want to do it because they know it's such a – they've told me this in private. They know it's such a good idea that it will help us so politically that they won't do it for that reason. Paul, i got to take a break. I'm okay. up on a hard break. 888-48-MARK, 888-488-6275. Right back after this. He's a Bible-quoting, Constitution-loving, flag-waving, red-blooded, liberal American. He's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. 
I want to conclude with the words of Joe Biden. This is Mark Levine. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. Just got a couple minutes left in Joe Biden's speech. Vice President Joe Biden was so good. I want to play just a little bit as we go out. To state the obvious, and I'm not trying to be a wise guy here. I really mean it. She's talked about how he can That's trust Hillary Clinton. That's not Donald Trump's story. Just listen to me a second without booing or cheering. I mean this sincerely. We should really think about this. His cynicism is unbounded. His lack of empathy and compassion can be summed up in the phrase I suspect he's most proud of having made famous. You're fired. I mean, really, I'm not joking. Think about that. Think about that. Think about everything you learned as a child. No matter where you were raised, how can there be pleasure in saying you're fired? He's trying to tell us he cares about the middle class. Give me a break. That's a bunch of malarkey. Whatever he thinks, and I mean this in the bottom of my heart, I know I'm called middle class Joe, in Washington that's not meant as a compliment. It means you're not sophisticated. But I know why we're strong. I know why we have held together. I know why we are united. It's because there's always been a growing middle class. This guy doesn't have a clue. Not a clue. Hope you enjoyed the show. See you on Monday. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love.